0: can uh, just go to the regular screen. We'll, it'll be a little bit before we're there. Well, good evening, my friends. I've been waiting all week for Shabbat, and I mean that. Um, I'm looking forward to sharing um, sharing in these, these words together with you tonight. Um, we're going to be in Amos chapter 5, but The first place we're going to study is in Psalm 34. So if you're in the church's Bible, that will be on page 638, Psalm 34. The song that we just sang is by Shane and Shane, and uh, like most of their songs, they're This song is really just singing scripture. It is singing from Psalm 34. And if you're in Psalm 34, you can see a a well-known verse there in verse 1. The psalmist writes, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And this is a really great statement. It is a fabulous scripture. It is... um, one that is read with great frequency, but it seems to leave something lacking. Why would one bless the Lord at all times? Why would one praise him continually with their mouth? The rest of the scripture um, unfolds the reason for this. goes on in verse 4. And David says, I sought the Lord, and he heard me. I sought the Lord, and he heard me. And this is really the crux of what made David a man after God's own heart. Not that he was perfect, not that he was without sin, but that he continued to seek the Lord, and the Lord heard him. The better word there for heard is answered. Exactly what we sang. I sought the Lord, and he answered to me. He responded to me. This word for hear and answer, it is a reaction because of what is asked. I believe we pray much. I believe we talk to the Lord often, and I believe the Lord does not answer us because we are truly not asking and seeking what the Lord wants. But David, and in this psalm, it says that, "...I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and he delivered me from all of my fears." So they who looked to him were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. The poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. Now we know David's life, and we know the lives of the Israelites, and it does not mean that they were without judgment, that they were without correction, that they were without consequence, but the Lord saved and delivered and answered and healed. I have loved this song ever since the first time I have heard it because I hear the words that David and that the psalmist are crying out that if we seek the Lord, he will answer. Verse 8 says, "O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. This is what the Lord has been teaching us for several weeks in several different passages, that the Lord is good that his purpose will be fulfilled and those who truly seek it. These are the two themes that we're going to look at tonight, seeking the Lord and understanding his goodness. So turn with me, we'll go back in the Old Testament to Deuteronomy chapter 4. If you're in the church's Bible, on page 206, Deuteronomy chapter 4. And the book of Deuteronomy will serve as the backdrop and the foundation for us to understand Amos' sermon for us tonight. So this week I've been studying in Deuteronomy, and I've been studying about Deuteronomy, and I have learned a lot that I have not known. So apparently Deuteronomy is written similar to treaties that nations had at this time. So we have talked about how Israel had other nations that were called vassal nations, which meant that they were much smaller then, or much less powerful, and they kind of came under the authority of Israel. So Israel was the superior nation. There were times where Israel was a vassal nation to other nations. So this would mean that they would come into contract and agreement, and Deuteronomy scholars say, is written just in the same style to agreements at this time between a greater nation and the one who was subject or allegiant to it. And treaties included three things. They would include a historical introduction, they would include an explanation of laws, and they would offer threats and promises now this sounds like a pretty standard agreement, doesn't it? An introduction to what's, what's being uh, agreed to, an explanation of the laws and threats and promises if those laws are not kept. If we would read the entire book, the entire book of Deuteronomy, we would find these exact things between God and Israel. And Moses gave this treaty, this book of Deuteronomy to Israel just two months before they would go over into the promised land. So the last book of the Torah is Moses' final plea to the Israelites just two months before they would go into the promised land. It's not just another version of the Ten Commandments. It's not just reciting them again for good measure. It's saying, if we are to enjoy covenant with God and all that he has promised these are the things that we're to hold to we have a historical introduction in Deuteronomy of God delivering Israel from Egypt we have an explanation of the laws given at Mount Sinai and we have threats and promises by God and Moses Now this is so important because as I've read just a few places in Deuteronomy this week, this has made so much more sense. It's not just another summary of the law, it is these things. So the first place we'll read tonight is in Deuteronomy chapter 4. And here Moses is offering one of the threats and promises. We'll read verses 24 through 31. Moses said, For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. When you beget children and grandchildren and have grown old in the land and act corruptly and make a carved image in the form of anything and do evil in the sight of the Lord your God to provoke him to anger, I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that you will soon utterly perish from the land you cross over the Jordan to possess. You will not prolong your days in it. But you will be utterly destroyed, and the Lord will scatter you among the peoples, and you will be left few in number among the nations where the Lord will drive you. And there you will serve gods, the work of men's hands, wood and stone, which neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell. But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if you seek him with all your heart, with all your soul." And when you are in distress and all these things come upon you in the latter days, when you turn to the Lord your God and obey his voice, for the Lord your God is a merciful God, he will not forsake you nor destroy you, nor forget the covenant of your fathers which he swore to them. Now does this sound like a warning and a promise? But it's more than that. It's a prophecy. For, Am- for, for, Amos. for Moses is speaking what he knows is certain to happen to these people because he knows mankind. He knows even those that God has shown himself to will do exactly what the law told them to, to, war, to, to, to guard against. Aligning with false gods and with idols. He says you are going to have children and grandchildren and they're going to go into the land and possess it. And they're going to fall into these places. As a result, God will drive them from their land and they will perish. But, verse 29 says, read with me. But from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. What's really important is the first half of the verse. I've read it several times to see if there's an if in the first part, and there's not. Moses is certain that they will seek the Lord their God. Moses is certain that they will fall into temptation, and that they will seek the Lord their God. Comma. If you seek the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul, It says before that, you will find him. See, we know that we are going to fall into temptation and into sin. Moses was confident of it. Likely, we're going to come in here on Sunday or Friday. We're going to find the Lord as we study in our scripture in the morning, as we drive in the car and hear a convicting song, and we might just seek the Lord and aim to find him. But Moses warns us and says, only if... You seek him with all your heart and all your soul will you find him. There is a great difference. Note that Moses doesn't say that everything will be okay or that they won't have punishment, but that the Lord will not forget his covenant with them. Right? Right? He never says, don't worry when you go into the land and you fall into idol worship and you do your own thing and you leave God's ways and he takes his protection from you and you get driven out of the land. He doesn't say you'll come back. He doesn't say everything will be okay. But he says, if you repent and you seek the Lord with all your heart and soul, he won't forget his covenant with you. Amen, that that is the God that we serve. Next, turn with me to Deuteronomy 30 over just a few few pages. If you're in the church's Bible, it'll be on page 237. There's 30, 34 chapters in Deuteronomy. This is the 30th. So towards the end, when Moses is likely passing the torch on to Joshua and about ready to go to Mount Nebo and die, Moses is giving these final warnings to the Israelites. We'll read all of chapter 30. It says, Now these things shall come to pass when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I have set before you, and you call them to mind among the nations where the Lord your God drives you. And when you return to the Lord your God and obey his voice according to all that I command you today, you and your children, with all your heart and with all your soul, that the Lord your God will bring you back from captivity and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where the Lord your God has scattered you. If any of you are driven out to the farthest parts under heaven, from there the Lord your God will gather you, from there he will bring you. Then the Lord your God will bring you to the land which your fathers possessed, and you shall possess it. He will prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and that you may live. Also the Lord your God will put all those cities under your enemies, excuse me, curses on your enemies and those who hate you, who persecute you. And you will again obey the voice of the Lord and do all his commandments which I command you today. The Lord your God will make you as to abound in all the work of your hand and the fruit of your body and the increase of your livestock and the produce of your land for good. For the Lord will rejoice again over you for good as he rejoiced over your fathers. If you obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes which are written in this book of the law, and if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, For this commandment which I give you today is not too mysterious for you, nor is it too far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend to heaven and bring it to us that we may hear and do it? Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear and do it? But the word is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that you may do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments, his statutes, his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if your heart turns away that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong the days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord your God swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. This sounds like the story of the history of mankind, doesn't it? To go in and out and in and out. Moses begins with a warning, and he closes with this series of please do this, but not this. I see him like a a parent shaking their child before they leave to go into the world, knowing what is out there before them. Moses is describing the reality that they will choose to depart from the Lord, but they can choose to return to him. And I think about what seems so simple in this idea, that he's certain that they will depart from the Lord. And I wonder if we think, well, does that mean like the fullness, like they're beyond salvation, they're so far away they can't come back, or maybe when they're, they're off in exile in Assyria, or does it mean the small things when we know the Lord is calling us? when we know what the Lord's word is, when we know what the Lord would desire for our heart, for a situation or a conversation, and we refuse. All of those. And Moses said they can choose to return to him. Verse 10, if we look at it, it it, it says, If we obey the voice of the Lord our God to keep his commandments and his statutes which are written in the book of the law, and if you... Turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. This mirrors what we read back in chapter 4, that we should seek the Lord with our whole heart and our whole soul. That is to say, all that we have within me. All that we have within us. And next Moses offers these word pairs to really divide reality is what I see. Reality for Moses is divided into two options. Life and good, death and evil, blessing and cursing. He says it's one or the other, and it's your choice. These scriptures and themes that we've just read are, are powerful and common throughout scripture, and they are pivotal to understanding Amos' words tonight. Those who heard Amos' words would have known these words well. Among all the places in the Torah, God's people knew these warnings of Moses in his last breaths. Turn with me to Amos chapter 5. If you're in the church's Bible on page 1060... So, um, if you've read Amos chapter 5, or at least the first part, which is where we'll study tonight, you might have noticed it seemed like Amos, was he getting lost? Is he repeating himself? Because he seems to say the same thing in multiple ways and multiple times in his message. So, we will um, be looking at, we'll really only notice three places that are going on in Israel and Judah Um, places we've heard of Bethel and Gilgal and Beersheba and Amos's message is really like I've said many times he uses these different literary or poetic devices and it's difficult for us to see in English because it's not as clear as it would be in Hebrew but I'm not a poet so certain things don't stand out to me even in English but Amos uses this device that you can see here that kind of goes in and then back out, and it's called a chiasm. So it it starts with a point A and B and C and D and E, and then it goes back out symmetrically with parallels to what has been said before. So it starts with the lament, it ends with the lament. Next it's talking about seeking God, and it closes with seeking God. It moves to talk about the announcements of their sins and further explain them. In the center of Amos' message is a doxology or a praise to God. And at the very center of his message is the Lord. If we hear any other gospel, if we hear any other message, if we hear anything we think sounds like truth, if the Lord is not the center of it, then it is false. Moses says, excuse me, Amos says, at the center of his message, the Lord is his name. So this structure that Amos uses is, is used to present and elaborate on an idea. It is to move an audience, though they might not know it. It has harmony and symmetry and rep- Repetition. So an example of this might be helpful for us because it's not that uncommon for us to hear a a chiasmus today. So think of JFK's inauguration speech. He says, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. It leads to a point and works its way back out, and that's exactly what Amos does. So let's read together verses 1 through 17 of chapter 5. Amos says, Hear this word which I take up against you, a lamentation, O house of Israel. The virgin of Israel has fallen. She will rise no more. She lies forsaken on her land. There is no one to raise her up. For thus says the Lord God, The city that goes out by a thousand shall have a hundred left. And that which goes out by a hundred shall have ten left to the house of Israel. For thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, Seek me and live. But do not seek Bethel, nor enter Gilgal, nor pass over to Beersheba. For Gilgal shall surely go into captivity, and Bethel shall come to nothing. Seek the Lord and live lest he break out like fire in the house of Joseph and devour it, with no one to quench it in Bethel. You who turn to wormwood and lay righteousness to rest in the earth, he made the Pleiades and Orion, he turns the shadow of death into morning and makes the day dark as night. He calls out for the waters of the sea and pours them on the face of the earth. The Lord is his name. He rains ruin upon the strong, so that fury comes upon the fortress. They hate the one who rebukes in the gate, and they abhor the one who speaks uprightly. Therefore, because you tread down the poor and take grain taxes from him, though you have built houses of hewn stone, you shall not dwell in them. You have planted pleasant vineyards, but you shall not drink wine from them. For I know your manifold transgressions and your mighty sins... Affecting the just and taking bribes, diverting the poor from justice at the gate. Therefore, the prudent shall keep silent at that time, for it is an evil time. Seek good and not evil, that you may live. So the Lord your God of hosts will be with you. As you have spoken, hate evil, love good, establish justice at the gate. It may be that the Lord God of hosts, will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. Therefore, the Lord God of hosts, the Lord says this, There shall be wailing in all the streets, and they shall say in all the highways, Alas, alas, they shall call the farmer to mourning, and skillful lamenters to wailing. In all vineyards there shall be wailing, for I will pass through you, says the Lord. Okay, I hope even as we read, maybe having some of this background helps have any idea what's going on here because Amos is just really rattling through a lot of very strong and powerful metaphors and, and symbols. It's really like a song, if you think about it. A song tells a story and it starts out with a theme that is going to run through the song and come back to it again and again. So the very the very beginning point that we have that says a lament over virgin israel and it's the first three verses it's really what they would call a dirge or a lament i've not been to a funeral exactly like this but at this day there were funeral dirges or laments that would be said over somebody there are funerals today that do this that mourn and wail and decry sadness over the one who has lost their life And that's what Amos is doing. He is speaking over Israel as if he is at their funeral and they have died. He is mourning. He's wailing. He's lamenting what has become. And this is actually a change in tone for Amos from the the hoarse, curt, and direct language that he's used in his past sermons. And this one He laments as a prophet for God's people. He calls Israel a a, a virgin, which means that they were a nation that had not been conquered by any of those around him or them. But now they would be conquered. God removes his protection and their army is decimated to a tenth. It says that a city will go out from a thousand to be a hundred and from a hundred to a ten. They will be completely decimated as the Lord removes his hand of care. This is a sad message. A sad message that we should hear knowing that just like Amos, excuse me, just like Moses, Amos knows what humanity is like. And death is certain. Death is certain. But then he changes gears. I see Amos changing his tone from this funeral lament, like the next speaker who comes out to kind of turn things in the right direction, right? And he's going to say, seek God and live. He says in verse 4, for thus says the Lord of the house of Israel, seek me and live now we've just read words like this three or four or five times in deuteronomy right seeking the lord and living as if the two are inseparable right we can't truly have life if we've not sought it in him and if we are in him then we have life there is no separation from these two realities I believe the church is filled with those who have not sought the Lord and think that they are in life. The church is filled with those who proclaim life and who have not sought him. Amos says, seek me and live, but don't seek Bethel or enter Gilgal or pass over to Beersheba. Don't go into these houses of false worship thinking you'll seek me, right? He says, seek me, but don't go to this place or that place or that place. Don't go to the places in your city with a cross out front or a scripture on the sign. You will not find me there. Those places have been dedicated to evil, to false worship, to fake incense, to things that the Lord hates is what he says. Beersheba was one of the first places where an altar was put in Genesis. He says, I don't want these things. Likewise, what are the places that we would bring into this place thinking these are the things that are of the Lord? Whether it's raising our hands when we're really not committed to him, or taking communion when we have had no fellowship with him or raising our voices and thinking it's pleasing to his ears when we have been refusing him all week. The Lord says, seek me, but not these places. Then God shifts in verse 6 to seek the Lord and live. So he's gone from me as, as the Lord to The Lord, in all caps, this is Yahweh, this is the fullness of his name. This is him saying, don't even think you know me, because I am the Lord, and we are one. I'm not the one that you think I am, I am this one, and this one alone. Or, lest he break out like a fire in the house of Joseph, and devour it with no one to quench it. Not even Bethel, where the great high priest is. For he cannot quench God's wrath. Only by seeking the Lord could they live. And if they did not return to the Lord, his wrath would break out like a fire. Then verse 7 goes on to announce their sins. Amos uses only one verse here to describe where they're at. He's been saying it again and again, but he makes it simple. He says, you, in verse 7, who turn justice to wormwood and lay righteousness to rest in the earth. They have taken justice. They have taken the the legal system, even in the synagogues, and, well, synagogues weren't there at this point, but even in the places of worship and the places where God's men and women were to judge, and they have twisted it for their benefit. Wormwood was a a toxic, tart, horseradish, tasting-like plant. God says, you have twisted what I have purposed for good And made it for evil. Laying righteousness to rest in the earth. They've buried righteousness. They've killed righteousness and put it into the earth. The unrighteousness turned the sweet flavor of justice into bitterness in the mouths of those who went after justice. They trampled it into the earth with neglect and contempt. The next section is really kind of a, a glory sandwich. A doxology means to give glory. And so it's surrounding God's name by giving him glory. So verses 8 and 9 are, are both doing this. Verse, verse 8 talks about God as creator in the first half. It says, He made the Pleiades and the Orion... He turns the shadow of death into morning and makes the day dark as night. He calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out on the face of the earth. We should be reminded of who our God is. After it says the Lord is his name, it says he rains ruin upon the strong so that fury comes upon the fortress. So now we go from God as creator in verse 8 to God as destroyer with that same creation in verse 9. I mean, I know we know these things. I know we know that God creates, and we, we, we're grateful for the sunrise in the morning. But the same creation can bring about our destruction if there's no protection. Because the Lord is his name. The Lord is his name. Now we have on the back end, we're, we're moving out from, from the center point. We're going to hear a new announcement of sins in verses 10 through 13. In verses 10 and 11, Amos reminds the israelites why god charged and judged them here he told them that they turn justice into wormwood and they bury righteousness in the earth it says in 10 they hate the one who rebukes in the gate and they abhor the one who speaks uprightly these instruments that god would have speaking his word in the gate in the place where the lord's messages were shared they refused to hear people of integrity Get out of here, they'd say. They want nothing to do with those people that speak the Lord's word. Therefore, it says in verse 11, that you tread down the poor and take grain taxes from them. You have built houses of hewn stone. Think about it this time, a house of stone. A house with a foundation. The great finance that this would would cost to erect something like this and the people that would be used to build this. So the rich stand by taking taxes from the poor, and then further use the poor to build their taxes with their ill-gotten taxes. The Lord says, you won't, you won't get to enjoy these houses that you've gotten by oppressing the poor. Then it says in verse, on in verse 11, it says that you have planted pleasant vineyards, but you shall not drink wine from them. These people are so excited, right? They've gotten everything they've wanted. They've got great houses and they've got great vineyards and now they want to sit in their house and drink their wine and the Lord says, none of it will be for you. You're going to be driven out. Verse 12 says, For I know your manifold transgressions. This might be one of the scariest things I've read in Scripture. You know, manifold is something that's complex and intricate and contains a lot. It means a lot. The Lord says, I know the complexity and the the many of your transgressions and your mighty sins, afflicting the just and taking the bribes, diverting the poor from justice at the gate." As we hear that, I just hear Amos repeating himself again and again and again to make sure they know, do you remember that you've done these things? God's word has said that we're not to exploit, we're not to take advantage of, we're not to manipulate. We're not to amass wealth on the backs of the poor. We're to take care of the poor and the widow and the orphan and the stranger. This is why God is coming after you. You have no sense of right and wrong. In fact, you see right and you want it to be wrong." It says in verse 13, "Therefore the prudent keep silent at that time, for it is an evil time." He says, "Those that even know better think, what use is it? What use is it? They won't hear, they won't listen, for prophets have come and gone. And they want nothing to do with the Lord's word. Verse 14 and 15. He says again now, seek good and live. Seek good and not evil, that you may live, so the Lord God of hosts will be with you. As you have spoken. So now he says this again. And I believe this described there there's two descriptions here of seeking something. And I believe he's talking, if we're thinking of directions, the vertical relationship that we have with the Lord. This is our relationship with the Lord. So seeking good, God's good purpose and not evil, that we may live that we may stay in fellowship with the Lord, that we might have eternal life. And as a result, it says, it says the Lord God of hosts or Yahweh, the Lord God of angel armies may be with us. So we are to seek God's purpose and not evil if for no other reason that we can stay in a relationship with the Lord. Then he says it a different way. He says, hate evil and love good. So now he has flipped these two things. First he says, seek good and not evil. Now he has said, hate evil and not good. He uses the word hate that they know because it says that they hate the one in the gate bringing integrity. Now he says, instead you are to hate the evil things and love good. This is almost like the horizontal. It's what they're going to do as a result of committing to the Lord. Now in their communities, now with others, they're going to hate evil. They're going to run from it. They're going to see it, they're going to smell it, and they're going to run from it as fast as they can, and instead they're going to establish goodness in the gate. Now he doesn't say, so that. But he says, it may be as a result of this that the Lord God of hosts will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. Amos' whole point in all of this is to say, please hear this lament that I've given over you. That you are dead where you stand, but it doesn't have to be so. I think about something that Deborah said a long time ago. Describing a spirit that I was in. And she says. But you don't have to stay there. I don't know why sometimes we feel like we have to stay somewhere. And we allow that to make our decision for us. So because it's so hard to get out. We we stay there. We drag our feet to get out of it. All the while. We're not waiting on God to show us anything. I mean, maybe we are. God's waiting on us to make a decision. Amos is saying, make the decision. It may be that the Lord God of angel armies will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. The ten or the hundred. That's happening. The enemy's coming. Then Amos closes now. Sadly, he's just given this great advice. He's just said, come out of it. Snap out of it. Make the decision. And then he comes back to a lament. Because he knows better. He knows that while some will choose, most will not. He says in 16, therefore, the Lord God of hosts, the Lord says this, there shall be wailing in the streets And they shall say in all the highways, alas, alas, they shall call the farmer to mourning and the skillful lamenters to wailing. And all the vineyards there will be wailing, for I will pass through you, says the Lord. Amos knows that it's going to happen all over Israel. There's going to be people screaming just like there was at the Passover, right? Because exactly what it says there, I will pass through you. The destroyer is coming. He will pass through all of Israel and there will be screaming just like there was on that night in Egypt. In the, in the vineyards, in the farms, on the highways, and in the streets. Because this judgment is certain and there will be those who will refuse this word. So I wonder what you have seen this week as you've gone to work, as you've had your coffee, as you've watched the news, as you've interacted with people because it seems I have seen greater extremes of these realities than evermore. I have seen more clearly how God's good purpose was designed to be, but equally clearly, how the enemy is using evil for destructive ends. I've seen the Lord giving life, and life abundantly, and on the other hand, the enemy bringing death to those that are in his clutches. I've seen the Lord's blessings being fulfilled, small and great, and I have seen the enemies curses, having authority to wreak complete havoc and bring calamity. The Lord told me this, that we are to be careful. We are to be careful not to label situations and make decisions or describe decisions as non-spiritual not to remove God from our lives. Because when we do, the enemy can lure us into his control and aid us to justify ourselves. The enemy wants us to buy into the illusion that there is a middle ground. But there's not. There is only good or evil only life or death, only blessing or curse. The answer to every problem, the key to every lock, the salvation to every bondage is God, period. And each require that we seek the Lord, that we come after him with all our heart and all our soul. We cannot believe the half-truth heresies that God knows our hearts and that he pursues those who are in sin. Because these assume that merely glancing in God's direction, we receive the fullness of God's grace and purpose. And these are lies that Moses and Amos sought to expose. They know better. likely you have heard the Jewish phrase l'chaim. It is a phrase that means to life. It's a phrase that is popular at weddings and parties, and it's said something like cheers. But it comes from Deuteronomy 30.19 when Moses gives us the charge to choose life in our great God. I pray that we would see and hear today because we are witnesses and hearers of the Lord's word that we should not perish but align with his good purpose, receive his blessings, and have life abundantly. Amen.